And it's good to see everybody. Uh, we've been gone for a couple weeks here. I've been out of town and then I had the flu for a week. So I hope you don't get it over the podcasting uh, uh, sound waves. I made that joke, by the way, and, I, and, and I'm going to let my guest introduce herself in just a second. But I made that joke. I sent an email to somebody said, I hope you don't get the flu through the email, knowing that there's no way that they could do that. But I did it anyway, just to get the reaction. And they said, what are you talking about? That's an awful joke. And and I was like, all right, you know, I, I guess sometimes you just don't need to do jokes like that. But um, I'm just glad to be here and I'm glad to be talking today. So I'd like to introduce my or I'd like for my guest to introduce herself. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you. Um, hi, everyone. My name's Olivia Atkin, and I own a business called Achieving Success, LLC. And I have a podcast, Achieving Success with Olivia Atkin, um, that brings on celebrities, professional or former professional athletes and entrepreneurs and employees to discuss what success means and looks like to them today and their journey to achieving that success in their personal and professional life. And I do a lot of consulting within the realm of podcasting and speaking with athletes and veterans and employees about transitioning and how to transition skill sets, how to build upon our own journeys, as well as not get ourselves in our own way and lots more. Well, I'm. I just found you on Spotify and now you have another follow and- if I press that bell button, it alerts me. So I need to do that. But one of the things that popped up, and this is not what I wanted to talk about, but I really appreciate this, is achieving and sustaining successful sleep habits. Just a couple of three weeks ago that you did that. So I'm going to delve into this uh, this podcast and, and go from there. But Miss Olivia, let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. This is a football podcast. We talked about that a second ago, but it doesn't necessarily have to be about football. Um, you you mentioned, and I'm looking achieving and maintaining mental health. Yep, I'm gonna, um, yeah, okay. You mentioned getting out of your own way. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have noticed, I have fought, and 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 may sound dramatic, but it is a fight. I have fought mental health issues probably for 31 years. I can remember when it started, and the one thing that I have noticed about myself is, I self sabotage. And, you know, things are going great and all of a sudden the mental health issues flare up and you do something that is not you mm-hmm. and it compounds. What, what would you what would you suggest if somebody says, hey, Olivia, I've got uh, I'm self-sabotaging. What would you suggest? So one thing I always say is we have to remember we're creating that roadblock for ourselves. Right. And we're, when we're in that tornado effect. Right where everything, whether it's a mental health crisis, right? One of those moments, or we're so busy, we can't hear the noise around us, um, is take a step back for a second and ask yourself this question. If my family member, my spouse, my sibling, my son or daughter, a friend of mine were to come to me with this same exact problem and tell me they're reacting this way, Would I give them the advice to react this way? Or would I say, hey, you know, I think this is totally solvable by X, Y, and Z. Um, Kind of make up that person in your head who would come to you with that piece of, you know, that situation and give them advice. 
it's a lot easier sometimes for us as individuals to give advice to other people and help others than help ourselves. Um, so when you take yourself out of the equation and look at it as a third person, sometimes it's a lot easier to go, oh, wait, no, I'm acting in a way that's not normal for the situation or not normal for how I would respond or give someone else advice on how to respond. And sometimes we are. Sometimes you go, oh, wait, that's totally valid. It is, I have a valid reasoning to respond this way. I have a valid reason to be reacting this way. And I'm just not being heard and listened to. So I'm heightening it. You, that's actually, it's very, very much uh, an inner look at why you do things. It's, it's questioning things. Now, at the moment, when you're in the tornado, it's kind of hard to do that. And I don't think that you're suggesting to do it immediately. I think you are suggesting to step, take a step back. And sometimes that takes a while. Yes. Um, and one thing I always say too, and one thing I've always done for myself, um, you know, as life pivots and change and then unexpected opportunities come up, right? Because sometimes it's those opportunities that kind of we jump in and then we start to go, oh, this is such a great opportunity but I'm going to like self-sabotage it, right? Is I give myself, whether it's bad news, good news, whatever it might be, I'll never say no to an opportunity right away. I'll never, you know, say yes. There's some points I say yes to. Um, and there's some things I say yes to right away, I should say. Um, but give yourself 24 hours. One day, when you go to sleep that night, you have to go okay, today's situation is over. I'm going to wake up, renewed clarity, and I'm not giving myself the choice to take what I'm upset about today and bring it to tomorrow. I'm, the challenge I'm giving myself today is to wake up, look at the situation differently, or have that uncomfortable conversation so that I can get have clarity in my day and I can push forward. That's kind of hard to do, though. It's it's very hard. It's that that takes a lot of practice and discipline, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's not something that happens all the time. And let me tell you, I've reacted to things sometimes. You know, you're so passionate about it. You're like, oh no, I'm I'm right. This is how it's got to go. And then, you know, the next day or a few days later, you look at that situation and you're like, you know. I was acting out of feelings and not, you know, what the situation provided, or I didn't know all this information. So I think over time, it, it is a skill you learn and you adapt and you change to. But to start, it's just those little moments. Um, you know, every, I forget the exact stat, but I think it was like seven seconds if you're going through something and they use this in AA, if you're, if you're, um, and my episode with Mark Troy, he talks about this exact stat. So you can quote it from that, but it basically is if you breathe in and out for seven seconds and not think about the thing in AA, for example, that you're craving or how you're feeling second seconds go by and it can change your um, state of mind you'll move on to the next thing so what he did Mark Troy talks about is 
the habit he started to grow to change his mindset and how he approached situations was when he was feeling a certain way, he'd divert his attention to the breathing and focus on that for the seven seconds. By the time the second se- seven seconds was up, he'd start, especially over time, not feeling that tor- like they he was in the middle of the tornado. You, I'm looking at your topics and you've had, or your podcast, because that's what I have in front of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now you've had uh 51 episodes which is very impressive uh, most podcasts don't make it that long so you should feel the word proud is overused but there's some pride in that in there mm-hmm. and that's that's very impressive and and uh, i'm going like i said i'm going to delve into these but i'm looking at the topics you don't jump in on something this deep and this diverse overnight there had to be a catalyst that that kind of brought that about Olivia uh what is that so for me I have a degree or certification in every business area like you and I talked about I have worked in sports in some capacity in every aspect from the time I was like four years old I was a professional as I called a professional swimmer from a very young age until I was nine years old, I was training for the junior Olympics and I was diagnosed for epilepsy. Um, and so I saw firsthand how within athletics, not by choice, your sport could be taken away from you. Um, that was, I woke up one day, I had, I had allergic reaction to Parmesan cheese, which create triggered a seizure and my seizures just got worse. And if anyone knows anything, about epilepsy, it's electrons that get fired in your brain um, and can yeah. end up causing you, because of the electrons, not to breathe. And if you're in a pool of water, you stop breathing. That's you not drown. Good yeah, that's um, not a good thing. Yeah. Not really the best situation or environment to be in. Um, and seizures can look very different. They can look like the grand mal seizures most people see on television, or they can be staring events. Um, and one in 10 people have a seizure and it's the most common neurological disease in the world. And so for me at that very young age, I always saw how things can look great, especially as my, I outgrew my seizures, which I had a rare form. So I was lucky enough, I would say to get to a point where I don't have seizures anymore. Um, but I saw that how sometimes things can look perfect on the outside and really they're not, or they we're all struggling with something. Um, I then went to manage athletes in high school. I ended up going back and diving and set the state record and coaching diving until I was 18 while managing wrestling, lacrosse, baseball, and football in high school. And I went on to um, work as the manager for two D1 hockey programs and worked with the New York football giants for six years while in college um, and managing different pro athletes. And one of the things I always saw within sports was no matter the level, whether it was by choice or by decision for you, a lot of individuals had a struggle with transitioning out of their sport especially the longer you played, you know, when I was young swimming at nine years old, I was competing against 15, 18 age group. I'd have two a day practices. I would have all those things. 
and I was really passionate about it. But the more you're passionate about it and the more you devote your time, the harder the struggle is if you don't have the right support system or the right frame of mind to transition out of sports and see how your skill sets can still be used and how you know certain industries really work or how you can kind of tie those into other passions you have. Um, so when I got out of working for the New York Giants and I still manage athletes to this day, but it's something I've continued to see. And no matter the industry I've gone into, the conversation is always the same. Someone gets a job, they didn't realize what that job really entailed. They didn't really realize all the moving pieces within the industry or, you know, what they needed to do to set themselves apart or how to help themselves grow long-term. Um, and so when I started the podcast, it was really having real unfiltered conversations with individuals from all walks of life about their journey and what that journey has looked like. So we've, sometimes it's tips and tricks, like the sleep episode that you brought up in the beginning of like what we can all do, whether we get eight hours of sleep or we only get four, um, on how to make sure we're performing to the best of our ability. That episode specifically talks about, you know, the ideal room temperature or, you know, if you get an hour of sleep one night, how to kind of trick your eyes to feel more alert throughout the day so you can still be productive. We've had episodes where people talk about, you know, going from playing professional sports and making millions of dollars, um, even at their first career after sports to making $8.25. We've talked about um, individuals who've been part of mass shootings and how that has triggered their mental health. We've carried, it really just depends on the individual and their story. And I think that's one of the amazing things with the show, but I think it really through even that journey of once I decided to do the show and really help people feel like they weren't alone and that everyone goes through things, everyone has a journey. It doesn't matter what the outside looks like. It doesn't matter how we perceive them. Everyone has a story to tell and giving those individuals the platform, but then also giving the listeners the space to listen to it without feeling like they're judged in any way and knowing that they're not alone. Your your goal, let me see if I, I got what you said, and, and, and I like what you said, but I want, I want to see if I can get it in my head here as well. Uh, you want purpose. You want people to see purpose no matter where they are in life. Yes. That is, to me, one of the things that I think our, our society is missing mm -hmm. because we seek instantaneous purpose, and that doesn't last. I, I compare it to... Uh, a sugar high you get a buzz for a little bit but it doesn't last long uh, I've worked with teenagers well ever since I can remember and the one thing that I find is that of course teenagers are a little bit over dramatic just a little bit but that doesn't mean that that's not legit mm -hmm. you know you say oh this is the end of the world and like you're 13 years old you don't need I've got a 10 year old daughter who thinks she has to have a boyfriend now I'm like okay Okay, Harmony, you don't need a boyfriend right now. But I got to have one. Everybody else has one. It's like, oh, you'll have plenty of time in life. 
stuff like that. But when you find a kid who is fighting, I call them demons, or as Winston Churchill called it, the black dog. When you find them fighting that, that's legit. Mm-hmm. And you can you you should never dismiss a legit fight. I mean, you you're talking about people who, and I saw that mass shooting episode, and uh, I'm, <clears throat> I believe in gun rights to an extent. I don't have any in my house because of what happened to my family. Uh, but no one deserves for somebody else to have their lives in their hands like that. And that's not something to dismiss because, well, you're, you you survived this. It's, it's, it's a lifelong thing in it. Mm-hmm. And, and, I- and, to, and to find purpose after that, it's like, how in the world do you find purpose and, and hope after you, and I don't know the situation and, and I will know the situation. So if I'm ignorant, I apologize. Uh, but if you, you go through a mass shooting, whether it's in Las Vegas or we had one here in Tennessee uh, last year at a, at a school, uh, those little, those little blessings were, were hurt and several teachers were hurt. And you're, you're just like, golly, how do you, go, how do you go past that? What you're doing, at least what I understand what you're doing is to help people get to that point. So Miss Olivia, I, not only do I applaud you, I thank you for what you're doing. And, and just, we, we've talked now for 20 minutes and, and I don't know you, you don't know me, but in my profession, I I have to draw kind of a conclusion on people quickly to see if they're legit. What I've drawn on you is that you are a legit person that that really does care, and and you are a rarity. You are a rarity. Thank you. I appreciate uh, those kind words. And the fact is that you called, you said the New York Football Giant, which means you know football. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, folks. When she said New York Football Giants, I'm like, yeah, she knows football. Uh, she knows football because the New York Giants were once a baseball team. And they went to San Francisco. And when you say New York, they were both in the same city at the same time. And you had to differentiate that. And, and Miss Olivia knew that. Now, let me let me ask you, let me ask you a question here. Let's let's we we're deep here. So let's make it a little bit funny. Okay. Let's make it a little bit funny. You were a diver. <clears throat> I look like a goody bird landing when I try to dive. So I'm not at all graceful. Uh, in college, I, I took a, a swimming course, and I would have made an A in that course if it wasn't for my diving. So it's ugly. So I'm nowhere near on your, your level here. But do you have a story or two about learning how to dive that you can that you can laugh at now? Mm-hmm. Well, I joke now that my state record that I got in the state of New Jersey um, was off the three-meter board. So that really tall board, if you no. Uh, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. no, um, I, and no, it I, just makes me sick thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, and I laugh now, you know, we talk as in, when we're younger, our fear is less, right? We have this mentality of we can do it. Um, when I look at it now, being almost 30, I'm like, if, and I've had, I've gone back to the club I trained at this past summer and I actually was there and with one of my former divers just hanging out um and i was helping little kids and he was like coach olivia like come up do some tricks with me on the three meter i'm like 
you're out of your goddamn mind if you think I'm getting up there and doing what I did when I was 18 years old. I'm like, I've not, the other part of it is um, when you've not practiced a skill you've done, especially diving off a board and doing tricks um, and you're diving into a body of water, even though that's a liquid, if you hit it wrong, it is like hitting cement. Um, it can be very painful. Um, so, you know, one thing that I laugh about now is when I was learning one of the dives that helped me get my champion, my title, um, it's called an inward. So you jump off the board backwards and dive towards the board, but down. So you jump backwards and then dive into the water. Um, and I remember doing it on the one meter because everything I competed on the three meter, I competed on the one meter as well. And it was pretty easy for me to do, but I would not do that dive to save my life off the three meter. And I knew I needed it or I needed to learn a bigger trick in some people's eyes to do. Um, and it was the fear of, you know, hitting that water wrong, but also if you don't jump far enough back, you're hitting the board. Right. Um, and Greg so, Luganis type thing. Yeah. And so um, I remember getting up on the board the day I actually did it for the first time. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And my coach was a good friend of mine. Um, one of the guys that I would, the guy I was like dating, you know, you're 18, you're talking to, you're dating, whatever it might be, was actually the lifeguard on stand. And I was just like, I'm so nervous. I also might die and hurt myself. <laughs> like, I didn't know where it was going to go. And I remember turning to um, the lifeguard and just saying to him, his name was George. I was like, George, if I hit wrong, you better be diving in here. You better be doing this. And we filmed it. My coach filmed it to see what I did wrong and whatever. And I stood up there for five minutes. And my coach was like, are you going to go? Are you going to go? And I was just like, no, I'm not. No, I am not. Um, and when I finally just went for it, my coach in the video to this day, you can hear her say, oh, my God, she actually did it. Um, <laughs> and I like got up and I like hit the top of the pool. And I was like, I did it. Um, and I laugh about it now because it was something that was at that time, like my biggest fear was doing that dive. And in life, we all have those moments of those things that just eat at us. And we want to do it. We want to say we do it, but we can't. Um, but I laugh at it because it was something that was accomplishable. I just had to put my mind to it. And that the commentary that was happening around that until I actually did it. And was it, it was it in your head? Oh, Definitely. I knew, you know, when you dive, what, how I trained my divers and how I trained um, when I was training was I wear a wetsuit. Now, wetsuit is not necessarily a normal thing to see in diving and divers wear. Um, and I would wear it because if anyone who's met me in person, I weigh 90 pounds soaking wet. You hit that wrong. Like I've gotten hit like landed wrong and i've gotten black and blue marks all over my body oh gosh so the yeah that's why i started i luckily had a coach who thought of the idea to put 
a wetsuit on, which absorbs the shock if you're learning a new skill so that you don't get bruised, you don't get hurt as easily. Um, and then I did that with my divers because if you're not wearing it and you're learning a brand new skill, not only can that be mental blocks, but if you land wrong the first time and get hurt, are you going to want to go get up there as easily the second time? No, no. No. And so I think part of it with the three meter, and I have the video, um, and I actually just shared it with someone, that time I did it off the three meter, I was not wearing a wetsuit. So part of it was I knew in my head if I did not nail that dive, I was going to get out of the water and I was going to be in pain. And so that's part of it where it is a big mental thing, no matter, you know, what sport you're in, because sometimes once you've gotten injured once and then you're amping up your um, level of difficulty, you know, how hard something is, it can put even more fear in you, even though you might have nailed the dive on, in this case, the dive on the one meter. I competed it for months, years. Um, but it was amping up the difficulty that was, I went right back in my head to, oh crap, I don't have that wetsuit on. If I do this wrong, it's going to hurt even more. Do you feel like um, we do, and I think we're getting to the point, I was telling Miss Olivia, as everybody else knows who's listened, I don't pay for Zoom, so it's going to kick on here in a minute that I have 10 minutes. She understands that. So I want to, but I want to ask this question. Um, because I think with your, with your, what you're telling me, not only with your swimming or diving and then, but everything else that I'm seeing on Spotify here, uh, do you think we get that in our heads regardless that the older you get, the more you overthink things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest, and I was actually having this conversation with someone yesterday was one of the biggest eye-opening, awakening experiences you can have within yourself is if you start something from scratch, whether that's a podcast, whether that's a business, and you have to take on the responsibility of it all, right? You're the one whose name, right, is on the podcast. You're the one who's owns the business of what you're doing. And even though you might have people under you who help you at the end of the day, if something's not delivered correctly, people are going to think it's you. Right. They don't know what it is. Right. Um, but it tell through that experience, it makes you aware of what you're really good at. It makes you aware of where your weaknesses are, whether that's micromanaging, whether that's, you know, really being too stuck and not listening to other ideas um, whether that's you're too not organized enough that you lose track of things easily. Those experiences, I think, force you out of being in your own head sometimes. And then it makes you look at other experiences you're having and going, oh, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be in my head. Or I could do this because I've done that. Um, and I joke about that with my boyfriend. My boyfriend's currently in the Coast Guard. So he's serving and he is stationed in a totally another state, not a drivable state for me. You have to fly. Um, and 
I joked with him before, if you had asked me two years ago, if I would be in a flyable long-term, <laughs> you know, far distance relationship, I'd be like, yep, nope, not going to happen. Can't do it. Uh, work and all these other things. How are we going to manage that? Um, but through my business, my perspective on a lot of things has changed and my ability to pivot so that I can accomplish things has changed. So now like a long distance relationship or going back and forth, flying back and forth every few weeks is not that difficult because I know I could do it. I'm trying to give in, in about five minutes. Okay, five minutes. Give me, and I say me, give us. Mm -hmm. Number one, where we can find you. Because I'll put this in the show notes. But number two, fear is something, and I, and I told you, and, and people know, my son committed suicide last May, May 25th. I walked in, I actually had to knock his door down, walked in and, and found him, saw everything. You know, no one needs to see their 17-year-old son like that. Nobody. Um, fear has become less of a thing for me. I'm not, I mean, if you've seen your dead son, you're not really scared of much anything. But yet there's parts of me, Miss Olivia, that that just frees up that I didn't realize I had. So number one, where can we find you? But number two, what advice, and, and, I, and I know advice is what it is, but what advice could you give me and other people going through similar occasions? Because we're not the same. We're not the same at all. No two things are the exact same thing, but there's overarching things that can kind of apply to that. Knowing just from the few minutes I've talked to you, your heart, your mind, your experiences, but I'm going to learn from you from your podcast. How can you help somebody like me or other people in similar situations? So you can find me at, you can search the podcast, Achieving Success with Olivia Akin. You can find me on LinkedIn at Olivia Akin or Achieving Success LLC and message me. I answer every message. You can also email me at olivia.akin at achieving success achieving-success.com i answer every single email as well myself. that she does that she does i can i can attest to that <laughs> um so i look at everything and i respond but what i would say for a piece of advice and how i try to help because you nailed it on the head no two people are the same and no two people have walked the same path in life or the same journey even if they look parallel you know, that's why I said in the beginning of the show, epilepsy has many different ranges and people typically think of what you see on movies, which is about very small portion of people have those kinds of seizures. Um, but, you know, what I try to do with some of my clients is have the conversation of asking them the questions, you know, like I said, of that third person. How, are, how would you give me the advice if I sat here with that same thing so they get that in their mind? Um, the fear conversation I have a lot of like, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because someone told you to do it? Are you doing it because you're passionate about? Are you scared to do it this way because that's the norm and you don't feel comfortable with doing something the same way everyone else is telling you to do it? Um, And let's talk about that because- one thing I very much have learned 
over time, and again, we've talked about this, is no one walks the same paths. And just because everyone is doing it one way, whether it's grieving or overcoming some form of an obstacle or figuring out their path in an idea they have or growing their business, whatever it might be, just because everyone else has done it one way doesn't mean you have to do it the same way. So what what is that reasoning for the fear? What is the reasoning for the hesitation? And is it something that you can take small steps to in overcoming? And what are those small steps you can start doing? Because it is habit forming, right? And we mentioned that earlier in the show. It isn't something you're going to, there's no magic pill for fear. There's no magic pill for hesitation, overthinking. But what are the small things we can start doing today and do weekly, then do daily, so that the next time we're approached by that, you hesitate a little less and fear a little less. Now, one last thing before we, I've got a couple minutes here. Are you a nerd? <laughs> to some extent, yes. Some oh, extent. no. Embrace it. Embrace it. Are you a nerd? <laughs> yes. Thank you for admitting that. Now I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here in my office looking around. I got books on the shelf, and then I have my Batman figures over here. So I, I'm big relating into Marvel, Legos. You know. No, I... my daughter comes up here and moves stuff, but I have my Lego uh, James Bond Aston Martin here somewhere. I can relate to. Yeah, there it is. There it is, right there. Oh. Nice. And it's the Daniel Craig version, which is all right, which is all right. That was a pretty good one. But that was my favorite Lego piece that I've ever put together. The reason I ask that is because um, I, I believe this. Embrace who you are. Mm -hmm. And I ask you that and you embraced who you are. And I think you understood what I was getting at. Even if people don't like what you like or or that doesn't mean that you can't like what you like or be who you are. Just embrace it. Just have fun with life. Life is so short. Just enjoy it. Thank you. Of course. And that's one of the things I joke, you know, I drink Coca-Cola. I don't drink coffee at all. Oh. And people are like, how can you not drink coffee? And how can you drink so much Coke? And my first response is my Coke intake compared to your coffee intake is probably not as bad. Right. No. Um, and my second is I always think because my life you know, when I was diagnosed with epilepsy, one thing I didn't mention was that they gave me like six months of regular brain functionality. That was their original diagnosis, that within a year, I would not be able to be in a classroom. I would never graduate, you know, move on to middle school in a normal classroom setting. I might never take in information. Um, and then I graduated college early. I broke barriers in many different industries. I got my MBA. I have done so many things. So for me, I look at it and I use the Coke example a lot of if I'm on my deathbed, am I going to ask myself, oh, should I have drank in that one last Coke? If I were to die tomorrow or in an accident later today, would I regret doing those things? And when I can lay my head on that pillow and say good, bad, or indifferent, I can stand by my decisions. I'm good. And that's the one piece I'd like to leave everyone with today is 
you know, as long as you can be okay with the decisions you make and how you handle things, that's all that matters. No one else can tell you how you should be going through life. Chris Olivia, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your story, for giving us encouragement, but also, and and this, I'm not joking about this, for being real. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on and being able to share this journey and story. And thank y'all for listening to the Football is Family podcast.